Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Williams and you're listening to Know Your Own Psychology. After many years building a successful career as a psychologist, I finally realised that it didn't reflect the autonomy and freedom I wanted in both my life and work. As I made plans to begin working for myself, my husband died suddenly and my whole world fell apart. But with a young family to look after and big dreams I did not want to give up on, I took some time and in the middle of the global pandemic, I left my old life behind. Today, I'm a private psychologist, digital course creator, mum to five and best-selling author. My mission is to simplify psychological ideas so that you can know your own psychology, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose. Are you ready to be empowered? This is Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. Today I'm talking to Sophie McGowan. Sophie is the founder of EarSass, a product-based business selling striking statement earrings that she set up through the pandemic. In this episode, we discuss creativity, psychological well-being, and how a traumatic life event catapulted Sophie into the conversation around mental health. This episode is such a beautiful reminder of how we can use the challenges of our lives and make them matter. This conversation felt so easy, yet so very important, and I could have talked to Sophie all day. You may also hear her little dog, Cello, in the background. Now, I do need to note a trigger warning here as this episode talks about suicide. Please make sure that if you're struggling with any of the issues raised, that you seek the appropriate support. Okay, let's dive on in. So, hi Sophie, thank you so much for being here with us on the KYOP podcast. Firstly, how are you? I'm good. Yes, I'm beavering away here with Jazz, who's um, our social media manager, and we're been chatting all things social and what we're doing and what's next. I so, love yeah, it. I love it's, it. It's definitely a busy day. We've just been up um, locally to us doing some filming for content as well. So yeah, busy morning. Amazing. And for those who are just listening and can't see the visual on this, um, Sophie's office looks an absolute treat. It's pink and it's um, very sort of special looking behind you and yeah just there's lots of sweets and tubs but it's actually (laughs) (laughs) I love it I love it well listen thank you so much for being here I'm so um pleased that you've agreed to come on um so we'll just kick off really and um yeah your story is one that is just so inspiring to me actually Sophie and it takes a number of sort of unexpected twists and turns we were exchanging voice notes um just the other day when you were in the bath I hope you don't mind I was in the bath it was like, like the only place that I can do anything where I'm not disturbed and I'm like at my most rested. Yeah, I understand. I understand. But yeah, so you've done so many different things in your life. And so I guess firstly, just if you could tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and the story as to why you found yourself talking about mental health. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Sophie um, and I started... Uh, an earring business called Earsass and it was in the first lockdown like many people started incredible businesses in in lockdown when we all had that time um so yeah it was uh, and it has been such an incredible journey so far but I am born in Brighton um my mum and dad had a little restaurant in Lewis so we lived there for a while um, and then they had the passion to want to go back up to Scotland because my dad's Scottish to open up a, a sporting hotel. So not golf or um, tennis or anything like that, really. It was all around fishing and hunting. Um, my dad's a, a very keen sportsman when it comes to that. And so was my mum, very into fishing. So they wanted to have that dream and 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 they did. So we packed up and yeah. went basically back to Scotland and uh, they bought a beautiful old sort of stone turreted house from um, what was Apple Estates and um, basically started a, a wee eight bedroom hotel. Mm, and that. yeah, that's I, that, and that's where I was brought up and sort of doing dishes and making beds from a really, really young age. So I think that the kind of the business mind was very set into me and being very hands on um, and watching my parents 
create a dream and something that they've always wanted to do. So I think that that's definitely been installed in me. Um, so yeah, and 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 that's that was the, that was their journey for for thirty four years along with me and my sister. Um, so yeah, we were put in high chairs and put into the kitchen while Dad was cooking, and he would throw food at us like little birds. <laughs> um, so I think that's where I sort of got my my love and passion of of food for sure. Amazing. Um, so it was wonderful, and and it was so it's so beautiful where I'm from. It's a, a place called Pitlochry, and I'm sure you've probably been since you're yes. obviously Scottish based. Yeah. Um. And yeah, just just a stunning, gorgeous area, and all my friends are still there, and my parents still live there. My sister's in Edinburgh. Um. So it's really close, very close to my heart for sure. Um, but yeah, so I I got immensely involved in the business from a really young age, and um, sort of I I did go down to Glasgow for a number of years and studied fashion design down there. Amazing. And I loved it. And I was very young. I was sort of seventeen. Went down. I got a flat with a few friends, um, and and I truly loved it. It was it was incredible and. Um, did a bit of millinery as well, um, which I kind of that that's kind of how that my story with Isabella Blow and Philip Tracy kind of ended up happening as well, which is quite yeah. interesting. And for those for those who don't know who those people are, can you just share like how amazing that is in the fashion world? Oh wow, yeah. I mean, Isabella Blow was sort of I think probably the world's biggest fashion icon. Um, she was you know editor in chief and um, at Tatler for a very long time. She founded um, Alexander McQueen. Yeah. Uh, um, um, my goodness, Sophie Dahl. Yes. Um, yep, that was incredible. Um, Philip Tracy. Um, yeah, just so many incredible people. Um, so yeah, it was very interesting and very interesting the connection actually and and how we met and and things like that. But I was studying when I was studying fashion, I um did millinery as well, and um, I was doing my theses around Philip Tracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, randomly one day went back up to see my mum and dad at the hotel mm -hmm. and they had a very good friend of theirs called Julian Jones um, who I think was at the time actually dating Isabella's sister um, anyway he knew various different people and he came up to visit them and brought Izzy and her husband I think uh, Detmar was coming shortly or something like that I'm not 100% sure but um, I arrive back and they're all sitting in a bed, uh, nothing like going on or anything, but, you know, just all sitting upstairs in one of the beds and watching TV and just all drinking wine just fabulously while she's wearing sort of a veil across her face. And I'm, I'm just like, and oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> and, and, you know, so many things strike me about this, like... Um... <laughs> not least like that's probably not what you were used to growing up in Pitlochry right you know people like being so yeah. with their fashion and looking a certain way and dressing a certain way but you know your story um is so fascinating to me in that how you know the number of people that I talk to who end up sort of later on in their lives doing something completely different but all the steps all the parts of it make up the whole of where you end up and it feels like that's really relevant for you with your sass. Yeah, it is. It's it's I think with, with the hotel is that it was because it was so it was so customer focused, it's very high standards. Um, you know, there was you know, so it was it was a it was a wonderful place and it brought such a, a, a variety of different people. Like I said, you know, who were maybe hunting and they'd come all the way over from Switzerland or Denmark to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people who were, you know, on their honeymoon or you know, they they want so many people got engaged at the hotel, you know, and it became this real family yeah. um, place and a place to remember for, for so many people. It's unbelievable. And still to this day, I meet people and they're like, oh, my God, you, you guys used to have East Talk, didn't you? And then we talk and there would you know be this incredible story. But yeah, it was not really much of a place to to grow up when it comes to, you know, being, you know, wearing a lot of pink or um you know having a hat on all the time or you know being sort of very statement in fashion not really but you know I I think that I just absolutely loved clothes and fashion and that 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 definitely came from my family you know my my mum is very flamboyant when it comes to her um clothes so is my grandmother 
And, you know, I'm forever being told that, you know, I'd have about 16 different out outfit changes every day as a child. And that still happens. Like now, you know, I'd have parties in my, my flat when I was up in Pitlochry and we were just talking about them at the weekend. And um, I would probably wake up in a wedding dress sometimes because it was just, you know, I'd get changed into, I'd have this massive trunk of fancy dress. Yeah everybody would then just be wearing something random and then they'd go home and they'd wake up in like I don't know like a Flintstones outfit or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it just it sounds like such a you know such a beautiful life right. Um, it's fun, yeah. Yeah so maybe you can tell us a little bit then about how your SAS which you founded through the pandemic as people sort of pivoted their businesses and did what they had to do at that time how that led from you know doing that to then talking about mental health and the link that your SAS has with mental health. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've never really kind of been someone that wants to sit still. And I think that comes from from the hotel and hospitality. Yeah. It's just 24-7. And within that, you know, we were always redesigning bedrooms and I was very involved in that. So I've, I've always had a very creative mind and, and head on all the time. You know, it doesn't matter really what I've done. It's, I've always had that in me. And I did dabble a little bit in kind of making jewellery when I was a bit younger yeah and um and yeah so I, I I just always wanted to do something I knew whether it was around fashion or jewelry or you know interior design so I think it you know like most people I think they'll say the same thing is that when lockdown happened you know it was like right you know we're gonna I'm gonna have to get on with this but this is giving me a great opportunity to actually do perhaps something that I really want to do um and I'd, I'd thought about it anyway, you know, even sort of, you know, pre-pandemic. And then I, you know, I, I sat one day and, and thought, right, I'm going to I'm going to buy some some um, materials. I'm going to buy the, the resin and, you know, the hardener and start mixing all this together. And I'm going to buy the molds. And yeah. and I did that, you know, I, 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 I absolutely did that and really really tried my absolute best to do you know to make it all and it was it was it was it was a bit prob problematic you know it was we were doing lots of different smash tests obviously dropping things on the floor like a pair of earrings would and sort of you know yeah a lot of the time it was it wasn't kind of working um and so I really needed to try and then find suppliers that, that were going to um, make the product, the designs that I wanted so that I could actually take it further forward. Um, and I mean, the making of it and everything was great fun, but it was never, you know, because I knew in my mind I wanted to, to really be something and really take off and it to be one day for, for the rest of my life. I yeah. needed to start doing that now and putting, putting those things in place. Mm -hmm. so um yeah I did that and you know obviously one of the first things I did was to reach out to some friends of mine to create a website because I was obviously just selling through Instagram taking my own pictures yeah um, and and doing it like that and it and it and it worked you know people people loved it and mm -hmm. um I think it you know with everyone having to do loads of zoom calls and homeschooling and you know, people were doing quiz nights and nights out in on Zoom that, you know, there was still fashion um, and accessories that were such a huge part of that for people and, you know, makeup as well. So it, you know, people really took to it and thought, well, you know, this is great. Let's support someone that's doing yeah. something that they love yeah. and making them feel great at the same time. Yeah, and I, I can't really remember exactly how I found you, but um, when I did, I think I reached out to you off a, an Instagram story and then you were like, oh my God, I've been following you. Yes. Instagram stories. And then I bought yeah. some of the, your beautiful Marta earrings, which I couldn't yes. find. Oh, wearing. I actually looked back because we were looking back on um, all of our highlights on the Instagram, literally maybe a couple of days ago. And, and a picture of you came up, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With, with my Martas but um, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, you know I know that there'll be there's lots of people who listen to this podcast who are also self-employed business owners and who've got big dreams and it just it's such a lovely story um of to, of how you've made a success of something that started from the ground up um uh, yeah, absolutely yeah 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 so in terms of like the mental health aspect of um of the business maybe you can tell us a bit more specifically about that now yeah sure I mean it's 
yeah I mean I've myself have, have suffered with mental health in particular mm. a lot of anxiety mm. um and I definitely have always found that whether it's getting a canvas out and painting on it or creating something was always kind of my go-to I think a lot of people can resonate with with when they're a bit of a creator um that that doing doing that really kind of can settle you an awful lot and I think you you know you can kind of get your thoughts out and how you feel so I definitely always felt that that you know being at my most creative really helped me with my own um, mental health and and depression and anxieties and I've always yeah I think I've always been a little bit of an empath you know I really take on a lot of other people's you know pain and and feelings and you know even with animals as well you know it's I've always very much been like that so I always knew that if I wanted to do something that it was always going to be involving people um which is why with all the earrings being named after people in my life you know people who you know have been in my life for a long time or people who I meet that have influenced me along the way um and when we sit and we think about you know who we're going to call these earrings after sometimes it's quite hard because it's like oh my gosh you know who who are we going to name them after and then suddenly it you know pops into your head and I'm like oh my gosh yes I remember this person Mm -hmm. and so it's that really helps me and I think it also helps other people because we were naming them after you know my friends and family and you know the Marta that you have was a girl actually who I was living with during lockdown who was Spanish she was such a wonderful girl and she was called Marta and she was doing a lot of photography for me Um, so you know and you remember I remember these people um, and and I'm you know associate them with the earring names and Mm -hmm. so it's um it was very much you know about it doesn't matter who you are what you look like size you are your gender color of your skin everything it was about bringing people joy and I really believe that that's there's nothing more amazing than buying something that makes you feel really wonderful and I think that fashion and accessories really do that yes um pops of color and color was the obviously the the most important thing um so color and people definitely what what inspired me Mm -hmm. but yeah I think I think it truly helped people during lockdown to feel Mm -hmm. that joy and just you know put the earrings on and they were like oh absolutely Absolutely. And I love that, that you're sharing, you know, your own journey with mental health. And, you know, people did struggle an awful lot during lockdown. And it's just interesting. I come on to talk about creativity, but that sense of like being creative helps us sort of express ourselves, helps us, um, you know, not suppress our emotions, but, you know, bring them out and bring ourselves out. Um, so yeah, now you've mentioned some of the earring names and they're all beautiful names. And um, I want to talk about the Izzy Star earrings. Yeah. So yeah. tell me about Izzy. Tell me yeah. about her story and and let's get into that. Yeah. Oh gosh, of course. God, I love talking about her. Um yeah. wow, Izzy, yeah. I mean, you know, I think when, when everyone loses someone, you know, we all talk about God, they were the most wonderful people and you know, one of life's just yeah. absolute stars. And that's that's exactly what she was. She was our sort of support network through our family she was very very empathic um and just the most caring person I have ever come across Mm. you know when you know she she was playing rugby and there was a new a new girl on the team you know and they they were struggling she would she would just home in on them and you know just take them on under her wing she was a very 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 special special person and yeah she just meant the world to our entire family and um you know we didn't really realize how much she was struggling yeah until that happens you know yeah like a lot of us so it was um yeah it was it was probably one of the biggest shocks of our lives we knew that she was struggling there was obviously you know there was um she did talk about her her depression she'd suffered from anorexia as well in in lockdown um which did spiral Mm. um and um she did she did reach out and she did she did you know speak with us about about her mental health Mm -hmm. but for Izzy life was just that little bit too hard um and yeah back in back in April she you know she did she took her life and it was the worst day of all of our lives yeah 
be the worst day you know like so many people when that happens it's it's um it's absolutely horrendous yeah. but you know she she was so important that you know we we as us as a family you know we're very very close we talk about an awful lot we you know we have big family days so you know we call them family days and there's always about 45 of us together and it's just wonderful so um we have we have been very very close since since then mm-hmm. and as I was talking about you know that that I name all my earrings after you know very special people in my life it was um you know she was a star absolutely you know and I do love using that term about people and that that you know, that people are such stars in your lives. And so I I thought, you know, this is the perfect time for her to have have a, an earring. And she really helped me with ear sass. When I moved from Scotland down um, to England, you know, she would sit there with me and she would be, you know, putting the backs on all the earrings and it would just literally be like this factory. And I always remember, like I'd mixed all of the um, backs of the earrings and the little jump rings and everything all together. And it was all a clutter and, you know, so politely, she would just be like, you know, maybe next time, you know, maybe just keep it all separate. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll do that next time. You know, it was, she was so sweet and gentle about everything, but probably inside was just like, oh my God, just tidy up. <laughs> keep um, it organized. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So she, she just loved it. And she was, yeah, a, an amazing part of, part of your sass and, and at, still is, and still yeah. would, would have been here now. Mm-hmm. Thank so you. I yeah I just decided that she she was my star so we would call the earring the Izzy star yeah and you know thank you so much for sharing that story I know it's still you know very raw for you guys I guess and yeah it is it's a it's it, it I think I think the where the rawness comes from so much is that you you're everyone's so in the thick of it you know and and when she died and and you don't quite ever believe it and yeah. then you know you're getting on and you're remembering and there was so much that went along the way that you you automatically kind of think well they're just away she's at school yeah you know and then Christmas comes and it's like oh you know well they're just with she's just with the family so that's fine and then the year kind of goes on and on and on and it's like then you start to kind of realize well they're not coming back Mm -hmm. I think that that's when it feels at its worst Mm -hmm. I, I definitely can feel now within our family that there's perhaps a few of us that feel like we're maybe at our worst with the grieving because I think the realization is set in that she isn't coming back. Yes. And that for that that part of the grief, I I feel is in myself is probably the worst part. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean you you'll know some of my backstory and and I talk about grief often on the podcast and this idea that that first year just feels a bit like survival and there's not often there's not necessarily a lot of processing goes on it's just kind of getting yourself through from one day to the next and and all those kind of things so and and Izzy was your cousin is that right she was so her mum is my cousin so Izzy's my second cousin second cousin my first cousin and then Izzy's my my second cousin yeah so she obviously liked to keep you organized like what else what else was she like oh just just an incredible rugby player um she was just she just kept everyone together Mm. you know and helped all the time Mm -hmm. you know she always wanted to be there for people and help them um she too was very creative in fact her mum was going through all of her artwork back just before Christmas and so she's been gifting different pictures out that she's drawn to all the family and some of it is just phenomenal you know I mean she did this one picture of a horse and she was a keen horse rider so was her mum and it's just mind-blowing and then another amazing very very large sort of almost sort of a take on a Picasso that she did Mm. so I'm getting them all kind of framed up and so she yeah yeah Izzy would definitely have gone she'd either have been an incredible sportswoman which she was already but mm-hmm. uh, or gone definitely into being a very you know very creative sort of a, my mm-hmm. dog cello this oh, is the other no, I like <laughs> she love a dog in the podcast <laughs> um yeah definitely been you know in in the creative arts for sure um mm-hmm. but yeah just a wonderful human being that yeah. just 
was permanently there for you all the time. She actually came up to Scotland for a while when we had the hotel and she she worked at the hotel um, and just loved it for, for a summer and she lived with me. Um, and I've got several photographs of her because she would just go upstairs into my workshop and she would just start creating different earrings and I would just be like, oh my God, like, how did you think of that? That's amazing. Like, yeah. you know, just when you, you know, it's great to have other creative minds that can, yeah. you know, showing different designs and it was yeah it was it was it was it was wonderful and she then was hanging out with my my um my goddaughter as well Becca and they became such good, good friends and so it was just wonderful having her up there yeah so it's saying you know someone who was so loved who had so much um creativity and something to offer the world yeah. and I guess you know just reflecting on on the story you know often when people are feeling very low in that way psychologists talk about their thoughts become quite constricted and they struggle to kind of see that wider picture and you know we know that when people take their own life it can be so difficult for those who are left behind to understand that constriction in the thinking process that's led to such a devastating outcome I just I wonder if you feel comfortable to you know sharing a little bit about that like trying to come to terms with what her thoughts must have been like. Absolutely I mean she she was obviously in a place where I, I think that when somebody decides to do that and you know I'm just I think I'm unsure as to whether or not mm it can really be talked out. I, I think there's a lot of people that that's what they decide they they want to do and do, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I also kind of respect it as well. Mm. You know, it's, it's very, very, very difficult to try and understand and put yourself in that place unless you have been there. And, and, yeah, sorry. No, 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 go on, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Um, yeah, no, I just I was gonna say I, I'm gonna make sure that I share in the footnotes to this episode a book um that was written by uh, Professor Rory O'Connor, who um writes and has worked in the area of suicide research for many, many years. And you know, he talks about that cognitive constriction and this idea that people want to create how they want to escape how they feel as opposed to wanting to die and it's it's yeah. such that so they they don't think of it in terms of wanting to die just of I cannot cope with how I feel it feels intolerable to me and so this is this is the only route you know yeah absolutely and I, I can yeah I can only imagine that that is that is definitely how you know they feel is I don't think for a second that Izzy would or anybody who yeah. you know takes their life would that actually genuinely wants to to mm -hmm. leave and the people behind them the the absolute pain that 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 you know the families go through but also it's the pain that that person is going through that's suffering so badly from mm -hmm. you know their mind you yeah. know it's yeah. you know I I know that 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 Izzy would never have really wanted to check out mm -hmm. you know she she loved she loved her family and her friends yes. unbelievably I mean it was you know her her friends were her family you know yes. it was never there was never this kind of divide it was and I just I think it must be just unbelievable the struggle to think that that's what the only option is is absolutely horrific yeah and yeah, but I would be really interested to read that book. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, um, interestingly, um, Rory wrote that book through the pandemic while he was sat at home with the idea being that he would distill down sort of 25 years worth of suicide research into a book that could be read by someone who was feeling very low and or family members who'd been bereaved by suicide. Mm -hmm. So it's such a fantastic um, resource for anybody actually to, to get their hands on. And yeah. now, ju just taking that one step further, um, EARSAS has uh, affiliated itself with Brave Mind, a charity, um, a mental health charity. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that in the context of you guys and your experiences. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, so 
once Izzy had died, you know, we knew that we we wanted to work with a charity. So we didn't just kind of want to work with any charity. You know, we wanted it to be very much focused around what Izzy would have you know loved and what what we felt would be like the perfect fit. Mm -hmm. um, and Brave Minds, you know, Simon, who is the, the, the founder of Brave Minds, is just such an incredible man. And, you know, started Brave Mind Charity off the back of his own mental health. Mm -hmm. um, massive sports sportsman and rugby player. And um, they had also, they had in the past um, sort of joined up with doing some sponsorship um, or certainly Maidenhead Rugby Club had done some sponsorship with Brave Mind um, in the past. And, um, you know, we Izzy's mum, Sarah, had done a lot of researching on on a charity that we'd be able to work with that touched on sport with mental health, which is obviously such a huge thing. Yeah, um, you know, there is, it's, it, yeah, he, 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 what he has done and what he's doing, you know, in rugby clubs, football clubs, schools, going in and really, really, basically they go in and they, are training people on mental health and suicide awareness. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we we forget really how how you know how young people can be affected by mental health. And I yeah, I'm 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 a massive, massive believer in, in putting children into sport again from a very early age. I think it really shapes who they are. I think that sport is just an, an exercise is so incredible for our mental health. And, you know, anytime I've I've not been feeling great, that's what I've done. And it and it has truly helped. As much as you have to really push yourself into doing it, you know, you can wake up some days and you just think, oh God. Yeah. Um, but for these sportsmen and women to wake up feeling that low and knowing that they have got these huge tournaments or matches. And I think that there's so much stigma around around that where they've got to be, you know, at their absolute peak when actually they're just not feeling that way at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so fascinating. I, speaking of rugby, I did an event a couple of weeks ago when I met Luke Crosby. Wow. Who, yeah, and he has very much used sort of spirituality as a way to boost his mindset. And I am sure that's not necessarily common within the rugby sphere. Yeah. But yeah, just this idea of the amount of pressure that's on their Absolutely. shoulders. Absolutely. Injured, you know, when, they, when they're injured, you know, yeah. and they're going to, you know, these it's these people's lives, you know. So if they're, you know, sort of an 18, 19, 20-year-old um, sportsman or woman, then you know, if they become injured and then they can't continue to play what they love, you know, that's that's massive. Or even if, if they are injured and, you know, but that doesn't have to be an injury, which is, you know, to their leg or their foot, you know, our minds are injured, you know, and it's it's one of the greatest things that I say is that, you know, talking about our mental health, it, it, it should not just be where it is, you know, it's just about our physical injuries. It's about the fact that, you know, our minds you know we need to talk about how, how our minds can be very broken Absolutely. you know and it's and it never it, it just wasn't like that you know we were you know years and decades ago that's just that's just not what it was about we were just it was a stiff upper lip and especially in sport as well and um you get on with it and and, and that's it but there are people who are actually speaking out and simon is is speaking to to a lot of people about this and and really implementing mm -hmm. change within within sport and schools and yes. let, and letting people who are in sport and not just in sport you know I mean I'm talking about sport because it's that we've the charity we chose was obviously because Izzy was such a massive rugby player but in every sector of life and work you know it's we should be able to say you know I, I you know my mind is sore today yes. you know not that I've I've you know I've got a um you know a broken leg or I've got a sore arm or you know whatever it is it's we we should be able to say that in in our world of work well and two, I mean two things come up for me as you talk about that Sophie one is this idea that you know there's a whole um 
group of people who if they feel like they can't uh, acknowledge sort of the mental struggle they'll often have um sort of uh you know it's expressed through their body you know so that mind body connection and we have lots of people struggling with chronic pain and fibromyalgia things that we actually can't then find an organic cause for but the body's pushing that emotion out a different way and I do think there's something very specific to sport. I was very into sport as a kid and I, I loved it. And it definitely helped me in terms of my confidence and discipline and social aspects of my life and all those kind of things. But there is something very specific to sport where you are expected to perform. There is a lot of pressure and it's very difficult sometimes to say. I think that's like a job as well. So it's, so it's but you know, when, when it is that performance and you're, you know you're high-flying businesswoman or man and you're you know and you're you are there to perform it's like you can't fail you can't you can't drop that that level you know and especially with mental health you know that's what it that's what it was like and it's still a lot like that you know it's still not recognized enough you know that no I actually need to take some time out because I'm really really struggling and there's this guilt that goes along with it there's this you know, you know, like I said, that, you know, stoic, stiff upper lip, man up, all these like horrendous terms of, you know, well, we're, we're, we're allowed to, we're allowed to fail. We're allowed to stop, you know, when things get tough because, you know, it results if we don't in, in some, you know, some serious health issues that can end up leading to horrendous things like suicide. Yes, absolutely. If, if we don't, if we don't do something about it, Yes. you yes. know. It's just wonderful that Izzy's legacy is that, right, that her message is, is getting out there to the wider public through something as joyful as fashion, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's it's just it's so mind blowing that I think that I think this is what I was saying to you in one of my voice notes is that, you know, awareness, you know, and talking more about about um, mental health. It, it can't just be that, you know, it's, you know, it, there's, there's got to be more than that. And I think with, you know, with the earrings and you put them on, it's like someone saying, oh, I love your jumper. Where's that from? Or, oh, I love your bag. You know, where's that from? So, so it's a conversation anyway, you know, fashion accessories spark conversation. But I think that when the earrings are on, I think because they're so recognized anyway, is that, or if they're not, then someone says, oh, I love your earrings, you know, where are they from? There is a whole backstory and a conversation that can be opened. Yes. And whether that's that person saying, you know, you know, I'm suffering at the moment, you know, I'm, I've never really spoken to someone about this, but, you know, I am, or whether it's the other person saying, you know what, enough's enough, I'm, I really need to see someone or or I need to speak to someone. Yeah, and I, I think that's such an important point that you make, Sophie, this idea of, you know, many, many um, organisations, businesses, individuals like myself, we're trying to raise awareness, but awareness is only one piece of that puzzle. And it's then about what can we do to change it? And I think sometimes we get stuck you know, on the the how to, the how can we make things better? What does that look like? What does that feel like going forward? Yeah, and I think it is, it's education. It's huge amounts of education. I think that's within our NHS, yes. uh, within our doctor surgeries. Um, it's within our, you know, our generation. You know, it's parents, it's teachers. Um, it's having mentors within organisations, people who are trained properly yes. in spotting the signs of mental health and suicide. And asking someone that question, asking someone, you know, my sister said this to me you know and, and obviously off the back of, of, of Izzy you know her dying is you know and actually this is it's come a lot from from working with brave minds as well as you know when someone is and you know is struggling is there is a lot of of questions we don't really want to ask or we don't think is the right questions to ask because we don't maybe want to trigger them further or you know, we're a bit, you know, closed off from asking questions, but I think the, the, one of the biggest questions is, is do you have suicidal thoughts? Have you ever thought about killing yourself? Yes. And we don't ask that question enough. My sister actually asked a question to one of my dad's very good friends um, about six months ago, and he said yes. And subsequently has is going through some, some serious help with people. And I think it is, 
it's a question that nobody likes to ask because it's so it's you know the the you know I, I you'll notice I don't really use the term committing suicide because it was it was it was illegal it was you know it was a committal you have this is you know you have committed an offence and it isn't an offence it is it is yeah it's tragic it's it is it rips through families and you know what it can do is just utterly horrendous but the pain for that person is it's not a committal it's they they, they can't cope anymore their that their their look on life is just too hard yes and um so it's it's definitely it's 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 re-educating and educating people and um I, I i wholeheartedly believe that that's that's that has to be you know in our in our in our doctor surgeries yeah throughout our nhs throughout any physical therapy it's 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 understanding it yes. and understanding how it can be helped understanding how to help that that person and put them in the right you know not just throwing pills at people and i fully understand the fact that that helps a lot of people you know and i would uh, you know i'm not dismissing that you know i i i have i've you know i've taken antidepressants through my life and you know decided that you know i mean <laughs> to come off them when it when as he died you know and I, I thought you know if this is this is a time for me to really understand how i can cope yes. and and i i did that and i've you know i'm i i'm i feel like i'm doing really really well but for a lot of people that's not the case and they do they do help but i do believe that there needs to be can't just be where you're taking medication that has to go hand in hand with that and we're you know our systems struggle so much with providing therapy and the right type of therapy for that person whereas it's just very much masked by medication yes so many important points and I do want to pick up on two that you made one about the language and, and this idea of being very careful about the language that we're using you know around suicide and suicidality and not you know making it sound like something that's wrong or a crime is, is is incredibly important but this idea of like asking someone if they've ever had suicidal thoughts or ever tried to um you know harm themselves in any way doesn't compel them to do it and i think we have a fear um that if we ask someone something that it will push them further down that road and we know that that's not really the case so i think that's a really important point to raise here yeah i think some some people genuinely have thought about it i think that there's a lot of people that think about it you know think oh my god you know if, uh, it's you know i don't know your you know children are you know you're just you've had enough it's like you know you've got lots of children and you're working and you know, it's there's so many different things you know that are going on, and and I don't just mean people who have got children. That's 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 not what I mean. But there's lots of people I think who who have got these thoughts, and I don't think that they necessarily want to actually, or you know, they're going to follow through. But there are still thoughts there where it's just like God, I just want to check out, you know. And it, but I think it's it's important to kind of understand those thoughts and 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 understand why why they're there and that's why it's 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 it is really great to be able to try and reach out and a lot of people will just sit with that and and not get help they'll think oh the help's not out there or to get therapy is so expensive and you know I'm going to go on a huge waiting list and and that fundamentally is one of our biggest issues is that there is not enough resources you know there just isn't and 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 it's and, and I truly believe you know and I don't think that this is too strong to say, but I actually think that our, our mental health is is a pandemic. Mm. It it is mm. more than ever. Yes. Whether that's because it's so talked about and it's it's really at the forefront. But I, I, I really do. I mean, I think that 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 there is so much that's gone on over the last three years with with COVID, with you know, everyone being locked in, you know, and 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 then, you know, now you know the cost of living it's 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 so interesting to say that actually because the last podcast guest that I had on Simone Heng wrote a book through the pandemic which she called secret pandemic yeah. and it was about the mental health conversation and how disconnected we'd all become pre-covid in response to COVID and then what we do, the, the, the book has now been retitled um, and, and published by Hay House, but just it's such an interesting aspect of it that, you know, um, has been brewing for a very, very long time, you know? Absolutely, it, completely. It is, it, it has been, and I really think 
it, it was a it was a, a massive smack in the face during COVID because it was it was you know domestic violence you know people having to stay at home and be at home permanently with you know with huge amounts of domestic violence you know you know children you know partners men women you know there there were so many elements of of COVID that were so incredible for some and my story is you know with Earsass is 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 phenomenal but for other people it was just utterly hell and horrendous yes. and we we mask and kind of you know you don't really see that it's not really talked about you know and unless you really delve into it and you're listening to podcasts or reading incredible books or articles and but you know it, it definitely is a secret pandemic for sure which I feel hopefully is coming out the other side and being far more recognized absolutely now just to move on um a little bit now because I coming back to Earsass I understand that some very well-known people have worn Izzy stars and I would love if you could tell us a bit of a story behind that please (laughs) yeah oh my gosh of course well Jazz is sitting here with me in in the audience Jazz jazz is like my right arm and my left arm Um, (laughs) and uh, Jazz came on board I'll just touch on this slightly Jazz came on board um, about a year and a bit ago something like that and basically to help me make earrings and pretty much do like everything with me and um and then I think it was sort of the early part of last year um we knew that social media really needed to be turned around and Jazz's background is actually um pharmaceutical and so she is misorganized as well and and you know all our little tubs that have got labels on them and whatnot and yeah, so it, absolutely incredible. But we, you know, really needed to turn uh, social media around. So Jazz was like, hey, why don't I try and do this? And literally, that's not her background at all. And now it's just absolutely bossing it. Like our social media is is Jazz. Yeah, and, it's amazing, uh, Jazz. Amazing. She is just totally phenomenal, phenomenal at it. And uh, so she's sitting here at the moment with me, cracking on with lots of other ideas that we've got, which are absolutely hilarious as well. But so Jazz and I, um, so yeah, Jazz is a massive part of this. So Izzy being the rugby player that she was, and she played at Maidenhead Rugby Ground. Her mum is also a coach and so is Izzy. And... um, the Princess of Wales was supposed to be going to, um, I think it was supposed to be going to Ascot actually at the rugby ground in Ascot, but that changed and she ended up at the Maidenhead Rugby Club. And she is um, obviously just a massive part in lots of different charities when it comes to mental health, but the Shaping Us one is all about getting young very young little children into sports and how that shapes them um from such an early age and I mean I never really knew much about that at all until Sarah had said she's coming to the the um the rugby club and she's going to be talking about the campaign um and I'd, I'd really love to gift her a pair of the Izzy Star earrings and I'll print off all the information about why we're doing you know working with the charity and obviously we named the Izzy Star and then we'd we'd chosen Brave Mind and I said to Brave Mind and Izzy's mum, you know, I want to put money from every sale of these earrings and you know, I want it to make a difference and an impact. So I said that we'll put five pounds from every sale of the Izzy Star to Brave Mind. And so Sarah got the earrings from me and she printed off all the information about what we were doing. And it was all a bit kind of like, you know, you, you don't really think that that she's going to maybe necessarily accept them or her her her, um, her people are going to kind of allow that or anything like that. And so it kind of, you know, you're like, oh, yes, this will be lovely. You know how wonderful, you know, but it might not be a possibility. Um, so anyway. Sarah goes to the, the rugby grounds with the, the team and everybody there, and obviously it's just swarmed by press because of who she is and Sarah is given the opportunity um to talk to the princess about Izzy and tell her story and so um Boffy who is the chairman of um 
the Maidenhead Rugby Club obviously had spoken to their people and explained, you know, that there is, you know, there's a little, you know, there's an element of sadness around the club right now and a very special person is not here anymore and that they wanted to make them aware of that and that her mum was going to be here and she could tell the story. You know, I think it, it was very important for that, you know, because as he was so young and with the campaign, it was about young people and around mm -hmm. mental health. So she got the opportunity to speak to, to Kate about Izzy and, and the story and Kate was just completely, I, I think just obviously never expected that, you know, and, and, and how much that impacted how she felt. And, you know, she has a young daughter and, you know, she just, I think she sort of just almost wanted to sort of mother Sarah, you know, and she just held her and hugged her and, was just very, very overwhelmed. And she was just so compassionate with her about it. And then she said, you know, we've named these earrings after Izzy and they're a star, she was our star. And this is all the information as to why. And we're working with Brave Mind um, Mental Health Charity. And also they're working with having Brave Mind as the actual main charity for the Maidenhead um, Rugby Club as well, which they subsequently are now. And, you know, then, it, and because she's obviously been gifted something and she's got these, this information, the press were just, they were like, what on earth is this? Yeah. You know, asking questions. And she's, you know, I think it to, you know, it was just phenomenal. It's like to see, you know, probably one of the world's biggest fashion icons holding a piece of paper with information on it about Izzy and why we're doing this in the charity and with my, you know, my logo on it and the little pink bag with the earrings in it. And it's then suddenly in the newspapers and the press was just like insane. Yeah. Completely and utterly insane. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking around me and I'm like, where are you? You're doing this, aren't you? Is, you know, <laughs> this is, this is your work and yeah. from you know so from from that it was just it was just mind-blowing completely and utterly mind-blowing and I think that it was to think the fact that you know she took them home and had them on her dressing table and she you know she said to Sarah you know I promise I'll wear them She's like, oh, we'll, we'll wear them. And then, you know, and obviously as a family, we're like, oh my God, I wonder when, you know, <laughs> when. and you know, there it's, it, it's been a real, there's been a real battle in my mind, you know, with Izzy's death and there being this sort of, you know, the princess wearing them and, and the, the sort of limelight that it's had from it. And there's there's a kind of push pull that you always have and there you know there's, there's this sort of element of guilt that sits in me you know sometimes of that you know something so horrifically tragic has happened why am I happy why am I why am I happy why is this happening to me why how why am I being um you know gifted with all this you know this this publicity around it and and it's just so incredible that you know it, it was it was it was a real struggle to begin with and, you know, you guilt is, you know, I think guilt is this feeling that's actually really very pointless, you know, and I sort of said to myself, you know, I'm doing good, like I'm, I'm trying to do better, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm we're helping keep, keeping a charity going, um, it'd be very different if it was just not, we were doing nothing. Yes. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the entire sort of ethos around around the earrings and, and them being named after her and then gifting to charity, especially one that was so close to us, was yes. what stopped me from sort of having those kind of guilty feelings. Um, and then, you know, we didn't know when she was going to wear them. And it kind of went out my mind for a while, you know, and we got on with the business. You know, it was very, you know, I think, you know, like I said, you know, my mum and dad having the business I've been brought up in that you know that world of of business that I had that mindset of that you know that's great she's got them but we can't ride on anything 
the yeah. business continues. We 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 plug. We 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 do everything we can to make this a successful business and continue. You know, and and keep going. And um, I think it really, obviously, a hundred percent the business and everything that we were doing. Um, it really helped me to 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 get through everything that that has broken my heart so much when we lost Izzy, and it really really did. It it really pushed me to go even further and put even more into it. And so we obviously had, you know, the fact that she'd been gifted them and, and whatnot. So there was all of that. So obviously the sales were just phenomenal uh, as well. And everybody wanted to know about it and understand. And then I was in Spain and I kind of got like there was a stylist that had sort of put a like a tiled photograph together of like a pair of trousers and a jacket and it was the Izzy Star and um and something a pair of shoes or something like that and she'd sort of messages to me and said, you know, I think that there's every possibility, you know, it's World Mental Health Day that's coming up. And World Mental Health Day was massively on our radar then, you know, we were preparing to do various different things on social media with it. Um and it was it was going obviously it was you know a massive part of our lives and um and she said you know I think that there's every chance that she could wear them on World Mental Health Day and I remember kind of saying it to Jazz I was like god you know this could actually be when she maybe wears them and then again it just kind of goes out your head a little bit and then I remember we were in the workshop here I'm sort of standing at the edge of the desk and I said to Jazz I was like what's you know what's the day today World, World, World Mental Health Day, you know, and, and reminding myself and stuff like that. And and then suddenly the phone kind of pinged. And then I remember Jazz left the workshop and she kind of got up the garden a little bit. And then the phone pinged again and it pinged. And it was just like, it, yeah, I mean, anybody who's got a, a Shopify um, e-commerce system, they'll understand what I mean because it's literally like an old till when you were little it just goes ka-ching like this <laughs> and it was just this permanent ping 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 and then all this stuff coming through on Instagram and I literally went outside and I'm screaming I'm like yes! <laughs> I, I always remember her saying oh my god what is it is it cello <laughs> like I found the dog is it the doggy <laughs> And I was like, I was like, oh my god! I was like, no, she, she, she's worn them. She's worn them. Oh my god, she's in them. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling the way I felt now. I can feel like the shaking and, yeah. And I just, we were hugging and crying and like, it was just, it was, it was just absolutely mind blowing. And I don't, I mean, all I remember thinking is, I, I need to phone, I need to phone Sarah, Izzy's mum, and then I need to phone her grandparents and. I need to then speak to my sister and I'm trying to ring everybody and nobody's answering. <laughs> I'm like, this is blowing up. Um, and then I think I managed to get hold of her, yeah, her her grandmother, um, Rosie. And it was just, yeah, it was just, I was like, she's worn them. It's just, she's waited. So that was what was so, uh, I think, overwhelming is that she knew when she was going to wear them and why. Yes. And it was, yeah, it was just, it was phenomenal to think that she knew and she'd done that and helped, help, not not even held off. She just knew that, that that was the right time that she wanted to wear them yes. is to remember Izzy and for us to re remember Izzy. But that impact for so many people on World Mental Health Day. And, and and a story behind it, you know, and, and an actual real life story behind it, not just yes. she's wearing a blazer, you know, and it's by such and such, you know, it's it it was the story, and that so many people would probably have resonated with. And yeah. just such a beautiful aspect of this, isn't it? That someone with such a high profile takes the responsibility that that you know that that comes with and uses it for for good and that Izzy's legacy lives on through all of that. And I guess, you know, that I really resonated with what you said, Sophie, this idea of like the guilt that you perhaps feel 
when you're using the story of a loved one who's passed passed away and it's somehow benefiting your life now I, you know I'm writing a book at the moment I'm, I've been contracted by Hay House and and that story is cathartic for me but it also there's an element of oh you know that had he not died this wouldn't be what's happening you know but I think it's the legacy that keeps me going it's well his his death as his death has pushed us to do things and spread messages that get to people and reach people and really hopefully make a difference to other people do you feel like writing your book is helping you oh absolutely absolutely and and one of the things that I think is really interesting is that the writing process feels quite slow sometimes and I think I've, I've recognized it's about emotional avoidance yes oh completely to sit down and write the story and really see it for what it is you know yeah I, I, absolutely and that's yeah like you, when we're just talking about the guilt it's you know be being rewarded for something that is benefiting you but it is from something so tragic is is an, an emotion and a feeling that I've never ever in my life had to ever deal with and I and I hope I will never ever have to deal with it again yeah I mean it will continue to be in my life but I think it threw it threw in such a whole other emotion so there was the death but then then suddenly now there was this really odd guilt mm -hmm. And nobody was making me feel guilty apart from myself. Yes. Because we're taught, we're, 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 that comes from, you can't possibly, you know, gain this awareness or your business does better off the back of someone. So, you know, that is, it's so tragic. And again, it goes with the stigma of suicide. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was why, you know, I, you know, yeah, I've, I've, immerse myself so much into the business so much into the business and so it's yeah I, I, two very 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 kind of different emotions that you know one just one of them just shouldn't be there there's just I, I just shouldn't have that guilt yes no I, I really resonate with that and I'm just so so privileged that you've come on to kind of talk about you know yourself and Izzy and 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 what's you know the story behind it all because it's just such a beautiful example of how you know something difficult and challenging in our lives can lead to to good things um so your book as well you know yes yeah, so we'll see we'll see how it goes but um it's the manuscript is June April so I'm you know I'm keeping going it's slow but I'm keeping going so right last question for you Sophie just um I, I like to ask this of all my guests but what do you know now about your own psychology that you perhaps didn't know in the past oh my goodness um really un actually understanding what you do and you don't want yes so so that I feel like that's physical but a the al allowing of those thoughts to come into your head as well so you know we are the only people that are, you know are, are in charge of those thoughts you know nobody I mean obviously society and people around us can can you know influence that but I think it's really understanding what actually is good and what is not good for you, what really serves you. And 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 be I think I think that the, I think being brave is very, very frightening. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just just taking that step and kind of going, right, this is what I because we don't no one knows anything. We don't know what, you know, we all have this kind of in our head of the if, you know. Well, what 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 happens? What 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 are we gonna do? What what you know the fear? But I'm too I'm too fearful of of perhaps doing that. And it's like, well, what I've been trying to say say to myself is, you know, well, what happens if you fly? Yes. You know what? You know there there is it is unknown, but actually the challenge it could come with really really shit challenges, and it can come with amazing challenges, and but. Is the fear of the unknowing, and I've done a lot of of actually putting 
putting myself in that position of yeah really trying to actually say what happens if if actually you fly at this yes so yeah that's such an amazing message to to kind uh, of <laughs> yeah it's not it's not always easy to tell myself that it isn't I think that you know I think also it's 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 really the understanding of, of, of the people the real good people around you as well definitely you know Thank you. Thank you so much for that message at the end there. And um, just so everyone can find you, where can we follow your SAS, buy a pair of the Izzy Stars? Where do you need to send us to? Um, so um, on uh, pretty much all of our handles for social media, it's just at EarSAS. And yep. then our website is um, EarSAS.com. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to go and get myself a pair of Izzy stars um, and add to my, my collection. But um, I would encourage everyone to go check out the website. Um, thank you so much for being a guest today, Sophie. It's been an absolute honour. Um, and I hope that this gets the message out to more people too. So thank uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been a pleasure. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm looking forward to getting to know you even better. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Sophie. You're really welcome. Lovely to chat with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Know Your Own Psychology. If you loved it, please share it on Facebook or Instagram for your friends and family. And if you really want to help me out, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, you can email me, hello at drlaurawilliams.com. And if you would like to know your own psychology better, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose, come and join my growing community over on Facebook. Search Know Your Own Psychology and make a request.